Welcome to Light Steps Live. Our mission is to open the Word of God to edify the believer and evangelize the world, that people who follow Jesus can walk in the light as He is in the light. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 26, Jesus teaches on the real rule of the law and the true goodness of it. Hundreds of years ago, the Devotions in an Emergent Condition uh, was written. Um, you know, if you, I, I think I'm getting the title a little wrong. Uh, Devotions Upon Emergent Occasions. And it was written by John Don in 1623. I knew I'd made a made a note of that somewhere. Um, years, 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 years later, there was a, there was a book of poetry written called Meditations in an Emergency that sort of scoffs at devotions upon emergent occasions. But basically, um, John Don's work is, is, is dealing with, uh, God visiting us in a time of sickness. And whether you agree with John Don's conclusions or not, it's an interesting read. It's 23 meditations followed by 23 commentaries and 23 prayers. And so 23 sets of three. The very first one, let me just read you some of the sentences from the very first meditation. He starts out, this, this is verbatim, starts out just like this. Variable and therefore miserable condition of man. This minute I was well and am ill. This minute I am surprised with a sudden change and alteration to worse and can impute it to no cause nor call it by any name. And what called my mind to that as, as we think about the days we are in and as we think about the word we'll get into tonight in Matthew chapter five, it just fits both contexts, how things can seem to change from one minute to the next very fast. And in the worldwide scene right now, things have changed very fast and globally. And so I, I just thought it was interesting. And I, I started digging around until I could find, I found it online. I don't have a copy of the book, but I, I, I want to read a little bit more from this meditation. So he, he basically goes on to assert that, you know, each person is sort of like a little world and he's using a metaphor here. And so uh, in the latter three quarters of the devotion, he says, is this the honor which man hath by being a little world that he hath these earthquakes in himself, sudden shakings, these lightnings, sudden flashes, these thunders, sudden noises, these eclipses, sudden off Offucations and darkening of his senses, these blazing stars, sudden fiery exaltations, these rivers of blood, sudden red waters. Is he a world to himself only therefore that he have enough in himself, not only to destroy and execute himself, but to presage that ex execution upon himself, to assist the sickness to antedate the sickness, to make the sickness the more irredeemable by mad uh, apprehensions. And he just goes on and on. In other words, John Don caught up in some sickness that he never names, never tells exactly what it is, is saying, wow, can things change so suddenly? Can we be torn apart by such turmoil? And we know the answer is, Personally, yes. In our families, yes. And in these recent days, we can say globally, yes. 
And why do I seem excited? Because it's simple. When I gain some understanding, I I can at least set the context of the, the, the person I am, the time I'm in, and what God is doing in the middle of all this. What is John Don's um, uh, meditations upon emergent occasion? Meditations in an emergency. What does John Don's uh, writings have to do with this? He was a man who faced his sickness, totally deteriorated, went through very difficult personal suffering, began to come out of it, and began to see the hope of wellness. And so over the course of some weeks, he not only went through it, but then he documented it. And we can see if you, you can go online and find the book for free um, on ccl.org, ccel.org. You can find it. Um, and we just see this guy who's, who, who seems to love the Lord. And he's trying to work through the sensibility of what's going on. Um, and I think we can relate on that. From that standpoint, we can totally relate. In the same way, Jesus, God in the flesh, God himself, God of very God, walks among us, and the world is sort of turned upside down, and it seems like nothing makes sense. Even things that ordinarily wouldn't make sense don't make sense. And as I've said before, one of the reasons I love the Sermon on the Mount is because Jesus is like, yes, everything's upside down, so now let me tell you what it would look like if it was rightly right side up. And so I love the Sermon on the Mount in this way. So let's tackle a few verses tonight uh, together. Uh, Looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses beginning at verse 17, and going to read through verse 26. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, Not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 21, you have heard. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brothers will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brothers will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. What an incredible passage. And if we could sort of commiserate with John Don to quickly be drawn into very difficult suffering and to try to figure out what God is doing in the midst of all this. And if we can, if we can relate to Jesus, who's in an upside down world, trying to show him what right side up looks like. I think we can come out of this saying that a crisis may be helpful in discovering the character and heart of God in a fresh way.
In in our time together in this passage, I want us to look at two really critical things. What is the the real role of the law? What's its real purpose? And then we can begin to look at all kinds of things in relation to that. And firstly, among those things is, is how does God want us to relate to others? And we'll do that by looking at uh, in, in tandem anger and peacemaking, anger and peacemaking. So let's, let's just first just look at the law. Jesus was a law keeper, but a lot of people accused him of being a lawbreaker. That's because those people had a law that they themselves totally misunderstood. Uh, some, some of the things Jesus got accused of just, just, you know, making a quick list. He, he was, he was chastised for talking to women. He spent too much time with sinners. Uh, he, uh, he, he ate on, he ate and healed on the Sabbath. Um, at first glance, the priests were like, man, this dude totally disrespects the law. I, I think that's a direct quote. This dude, right? Might be the um, King Timothy version. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, what what Jesus really does, though, now get this. This is, you really might need to soak in this. Jesus, what he does is he violates traditional views of the law and never the law itself. Now, let's just pause right here. Sit in that a moment. Soak in that a moment. Jesus never actually violates the law. He violates people's view of the law. And we see a lot of that these days. And, and when, and when crisis comes, it's, 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 it's usually a twofold thing that happens. We have one response or the other. We either take shortcuts in the name of the crisis and forego, uh, the law, or we start to think that the, the hyper adherence to the law hyper adherence to the point of distortion will somehow will somehow fix everything, and um, and you know what often erupts is anarchy on the one side and legalism on the other side, and that's what had captured society in Israel. It had uh, on the one hand you had licentiousness and lawlessness. And so you would have people like Barabbas. You would have people who were, you know, criminals. Um, and some of these people would have been criminals and, you know, in their mind, the name of God, right? And then on the other hand, you had people who were legalist, who in their frame of mind, they thought they were doing the right thing. But because their frame of mind wasn't in tune with God's truth, they would be doing something in the name of doing the right thing, there was actually the wrong thing. And so Jesus comes along and he never breaks the law. He just upsets people's uh, understanding of the law when their misunderstanding is wrong. In the most basic usefulness of the law is it reveals to us the character and holiness of God and how pure and true he is. And, uh, it's, it's no wonder then we, we would say, uh, like what the apostle Paul says, I, I see the things I ought not be doing and I, I do them. I see the things that I ought to be doing and I fail to do them. So his conclusion is who will deliver me from this body of death? He says, man, I need help. I see the holiness of the law and I can't keep it. I see the usefulness of the law and I don't pursue it. In other words, I'm really broken. So Jesus steps into this scenario and you got people who are abusing the law on, on the ends of the spectrum and all across the spectrum. 
What's that got to do with us living in these days of crisis now? We see the same thing. You know, just because we have mobile phones and stuff, man hasn't changed one one bit. We're still just broken people. We're still sinners. We're still sheep who are astray, who are in need of a shepherd. So Jesus steps into the situation. And he's like, wait a minute. I don't want anybody to get me wrong. Okay. I don't want anybody to get me wrong. The, um, nobody's doing away with the law here. That's what he says in verse 17. He's, do not think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And uh, what he's already basically saying is, I, I'm coming to show y'all how this, how these laws should work. And uh, if you look at how he lived, if you read the Gospels, how he lived as a man of earth, and how Pharisees, Sadducees, ruling class, Levites, uh, different people responded to him. Everybody had this idea of how they thought they should behave in accordance to the law. But Jesus is the essence of the law. He is the holy. He is God. He is the holiness, the righteousness of God. And so he, he, in no, no uncertain terms, no way does Jesus say, uh, I'm doing away with the law. He's not superseding the law. He's not ignoring the law. He's not apathetic about the law. As a matter of fact, he says, I'm going to show y'all the goodness of the law. I'm going to live it. And he even has this, man, he has kind of this tough word. He says, uh, anybody who relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least. He's like, I, I'm not doing away with it, nor am I slackening them. So don't, don't think that at any point in our life, even in the midst of crisis, that the morality of God ever changes, that the holiness of God ever changes. It just doesn't. So Jesus says this thing that is very tough here. He tells them, he says, uh, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes or Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's don't think for one second that what he is saying is they have to be better at being righteous in their day than the scribes and Pharisees were. Um, as a matter of fact, to put it in contemporary terms, it might be like he would say, um, unless your righteousness is greater than uh, pastors and uh, worship leaders and missionaries and uh, stuff like that, you know, people in religious leadership today, unless your righteousness is better than theirs or more sincere, more serious, more devout than they are, then you, you, you know, you, you got no hope of entering the kingdom of heaven. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying is that unless you get a right definition of righteousness, in other words, all those cats Jesus is talking about, they are working from a wrong definition of righteousness. See, I want you guys to ex exceed, and by exceed, I want you to, you know, pass that, go around that. That's not right. And he's not saying go around it and forget the law. He's saying go around it and absolutely don't forget the law. Don't get slack. And if I could say something to us right now, to the church in the middle of this crisis, when, when our thinking is tempted to be turned upside down, I think the Lord Jesus would say to us, do not, do not ignore, do not become apathetic about the things of God. But do pursue the heart of God that we might do what is right in these times that are so confusing. Now, 
there's all kinds of definitions of legalism, right? That's one side is thing. One side is apathy. The other side is being legalistic and trying to control something through your behavior. But let me give you three really quick working definitions where you can see how legalism plays out on the sidewalk on a very regular basis. Uh, you know, the worst kind of, the worst kind of legalism that says you have to do this, this, and this to be saved. Okay. Uh, and there's all, I could give you tons of examples. You know, there's a set of rules and if you don't obey them, you won't be saved. Well, salvation is through no other name than through Jesus. He says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the father except through me. So in other words, to be saved is not in the power of our works. We are dead in our trespass and sin. None pursues after righteousness. No one is good. All we like sheep have gone straight. The power of salvation is in our hand. But there's this sort of legalism that says if you if you do X, Y, and Z, you'll be saved. There's another sort of legalism that what it does is it is it creates you know new laws on top or 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 I would say uh, wrong laws on top of right laws. Like, uh, like, you know, here, here's a New Testament law. Study, uh, you know, study the word of God to show yourself a workman who needs not be ashamed. Okay. Legalism would say study the word of God and make sure you have this translation, which we approve of and we don't approve any other. Um, that's a, that's, that's a kind of legalism that says we'll take what God has said and we'll make our version of it. Then the, another kind of legalism can, can also be, um, the, the sort of thing where we concentrate so hard on, on knowing, saying, and doing the, the, the law to the letter that we leave out people. And so that's a kind of legalism that we can feel really good about sometimes. Like I obeyed the rules but we crush someone's spirit or fail to serve someone. I won't go through it because I just see our time, but just think about the story of the good Samaritan. You know, these, the, and I think that's precisely why Jesus tells that story. The Pharisees, the scribes, you know, two, two groups of people, two, two persons go around Jesus. I mean, excuse me, go around the, the, the broken person, the, the robbed, beaten person, because they cannot be defiled by messing with this bloody guy. If they, Go by the letter of law, they lose the love of the the person in that case, and they were going by the letter of the law, and in a way, you kind of can't blame them, except they left the person behind. That's just the third kind of legalism. If there was a caution for us in the middle of this crisis, it would be to watch out for all of these sorts of legalism that they don't even really self serve because they leave us out of fellowship with God and they leave people behind. So what we don't want to do is to think that we have the capacity to save ourselves by rule keeping. What rule keeping? What we don't want to do is to pile our traditions on top of God's laws. And what we don't want to do is to be so concentrated um, on on personally trying to achieve the letter of the law that we have lost the spirit of the law. Now we could dig into all of those, and maybe we should. But let's let's don't. Let's leave those big thoughts out there to ponder them a little bit. And let's move toward a discussion on what getting to the heart of the law looks like. We are going to stop there for today. This teaching is continued next week's episode. So tune in then to hear more on the heart of the law.
Footsteps Live is a listener-supported podcast. We thank God for those who give to the gospel in supporting this ministry and humbly ask that all pray and those who can give. Visit lightsteps.live to donate today. Thank you for joining us on Lightsteps Live today. My name is Katie Bose, and the rest of our production team is Andrew Liggett, Shannon Allen, and Steve Riley. Music provided by Banjo Ben Clark. Connect with Banjo Ben at banjobenclark.com. Tim Bose is a pastor of East Rock Community Church and the executive director of My Life Matters, a gospel ministry with a focus on making disciples who become lifelong followers of Jesus. Discover more about My Life Matters at mylifematters.club. Thank you.